0: Chapter Thirty Nine of Delon by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Nine. On our arrival at the citadel, the two princes separated, and Monsieur le Comte retired to his own apartments, whither I followed him in company with the principal officers of his household. As he passed on into his own saloon, he made me a sign to enter also, and while a valet pulled off his boots congratulated me upon my success in the tilt-yard nor must you be discontented delorme continued he because there was some little pain mingled with the first of your feats it rendered your after triumph the greater certainly monsieur replied i i would rather it had not happened but yet of course i do not look upon it as any very serious misfortune and yet said he with a smile you looked at the time as if you felt it one we are apt my dear count to fancy in our youth that the sweet cup of life has not a drop of bitter but we all soon discover that it is not so with life as with everything else we find the bright and delightful scattered thinly amidst the immensity of baser matter those who seek pearls are obliged to plunge into the deep briny sea to drag them up and even then perchance out of every shell ten will be worthless but did we find pearls hanging amongst grapes or diamonds at the roots of roses we should value neither one nor the other as they merit as it is the threads of pain are woven so intimately in the web of life that they form but one piece and wise was the hand that ordered it so the count being by this time disembarrassed of his boots he dismissed the lackey and then proceeded now that we are alone said he i will give up my homily for i have other matters to consult you upon this morning you said in speaking of de retz that you would willingly undertake and execute for me any commission similar to that which he so dexterously exercises are you still so inclined mark me de l'orme he added suddenly you are bound by nothing that you said this morning men of a quick and ardent temperament like yours are often led from one step to another in the heat of conversation till they promise and feel willing to perform at the time many things that, upon mature consideration, they would be very sorry to undertake. Their feelings go on like waves of the sea, each hurrying forward the one before it, till the ripple becomes a billow that dashes over every obstacle in its way. Then comes consideration like the ebb of the tide, and their wishes flow gradually back, far from the point at which they had arrived at first should this be your case you are free to retract and i tell you beforehand that the service upon which i will put you is one of difficulty and also of some personal danger to yourself i replied by assuring the count that what i had said in my former conversation with him unlike most conversations on earth contained nothing that i could wish unsaid that my offer to serve him had originated in personal attachment and that of course that attachment had much increased instead of diminishing by all that had passed during the morning danger and difficulty i father said were hardly to be looked upon as objections when by encountering them we could prove our sincerity and therefore that he had nothing to do but point out the course he wished me to follow and he might feel assured i would do so to the best of my abilities be it so then replied the count and I entertain no doubt of either your discretion or success. Before your arrival, I had entrusted to M. de Retz all that a man of his profession could do for me in the capital. But still there is much more to be done. He has undertaken to win one part of society to our cause, but you must know that in Paris there is a complete class of men, distinct and separate from all the rest of the people, whom it concerns me much to gain for the purpose of securing the metropolis. You will be curious to know what class I speak of. I mean, he added with a smile, the honourable body of bravos, swashbucklers, swindlers, and, in short, the whole company of those who, having no property of their own, live at the expense of others. I am credibly informed that these persons form one great body and have certain means of corresponding and communicating with each other throughout the kingdom. The number in Paris is said to be twenty thousand you may well look surprised but it is an undoubted fact and it is to gain these respectable allies that i now intend to send you back to the capital the mission truly is not a very elevated one but when i do not disdain to treat with such a body you must not scorn to be my ambassador in the conduct of this business you and De Retz must be in constant correspondence for though his clerical character stands in the way of his taking any active part in the negotiation itself his knowledge of paris and all that it contains may be of the greatest service to you in facilitating your communication with these gentry who are not in general very fond of trusting their secrets with strangers the prince was then proceeding once more to give the motives which induced him to look upon nothing as mean which could insure the most speedy termination to an enterprise on which the fate of france depended reasoning with all the eloquence of a man who not very sure of being in the right hopes to persuade himself thereof while he is persuading another but i assured him in reply that i was perfectly convinced of the propriety of the conduct which he pursued and only required to be made perfectly aware of the nature of my mission what i was to demand and what i might promise on his part much must be left to your own discretion replied the count the object is to ensure that these men will instantly rise in my favour on a given signal but not to commit me to them so far that i cannot retract should any change of circumstances induce me to abandon the enterprise the sketch of monsieur le comte as drawn by the marquis de Saint instantly rose to my recollection at these words and i saw how truly he had spoken when he had said that want of resolution was the great defect of the count's character how dangerous such irresolution must ever be in the conduct of great undertakings was at once evident and i almost shuddered to think what might be the possible consequences to all concerned if the struggle that was likely to ensue could not be terminated at a blow this more than any other consideration made me resolve to exert the utmost energies of my mind in the part that was allotted to me for the purpose of preparing everything to act upon the same point at the same moment and produce one great and overpowering effect i promised therefore to do my best according to the views his highness entertained and said that i doubted not of my success with the persons to whom i was sent provided i was furnished with the necessary means to touch their hearts through the only points in which the hearts of such men are vulnerable you shall have it de lorme you shall have it replied the count though money is one of those things of which we stand most in need but you will not set out till tomorrow morning and before that time i will try to furnish you with a few thousand crowns for i know it is absolutely necessary especially as i trust you will on your return bring with you two or three hundred recruits for should you find any of our friends the swashbucklers who have a grain or two more honesty than the rest you must enlist them in our good cause and send them one by one over to mouzon but now hire you to the rest till dinner and accept as the first earnest of my friendship the good horse on whose back you were so successful just now no thanks no thanks my good Delorme. take him as he stands and he may perhaps recall me to your memory when louis de bourbon is no more there was a touch of sadness in the count's tone that found its way to the heart and like the whole of his manners won upon the affection it seemed to familiarise one with the inmost feelings and any coldness in his cause would have been like a breach of confidence. A prince binds himself to his inferior by making him the sharer of his pleasures or his follies, but he binds his inferior to him by admitting him into the solemn tabernacle of his heart. On retiring from the prince's apartments, I felt no inclination to join any of the merry, thoughtless parties of his friends that were roving about the town and the citadel, some running to the mall, some to the tennis-court and all eager to chase away those precious hours which man the prodigal squanders so thoughtlessly in his youth to covet with so much avarice in his latter days on the stairs however that conducted to my own apartments i met monsieur de varicaville who gave me the good morning and stopped to speak with me i know not monsieur de l'orme said he whether i am about to take a liberty with you but i have just seen your servant conducted to the private cabinet of the duke of bouillon it appeared to me this morning that you were not inclined to attach yourself to the duke's party and that from that or some other cause he seemed somewhat ill-disposed towards you at first i therefore presume to tell you of your servants having gone to him that if you did not yourself send him you may make what inquiries you think fit you are still young in the intrigues of this place or I should not give you this warning. This took place not above ten steps from my own chamber, and after thanking Varicarville for his information, I asked him to wait with me for Achilles's return, and we would question him together concerning his absence. This mark of confidence on my part opened the way for the same on the part of the Marquis, and after proceeding cautiously step by step for a few minutes, both fearful that we might betray in some degree the trust reposed in us by monsieur le comte if we spoke openly and neither wishing to intrude himself into the private opinions of the other we gradually found that there was nothing to be concealed on either side and that our opinions tended immediately towards the same point this once established and the communication instantly became easy between us Varicaville spoke his sentiments freely concerning the situation and character of the count and the schemes and wishes of the duke of bouillon whose endeavours to hurry the prince into a civil war were every day becoming more active and more successful notwithstanding the advantages which may accrue to himself said varicaville and which are certainly very many i do believe that the duke seeks principally the good and honour of monsieur le comte and did i feel sure that the event we desire could be procured by a single battle or even a single campaign i should not oppose him for an excellent soldier and even a skilful general the count would be almost certain to overcome the only disposable force which the cardinal could oppose to him this however would not be the only arms with which the wily minister would fight him he would employ negotiations treaties and intrigues and thus he would conquer and even intimidate a man who has really ten times more personal courage than those who most eagerly urge him to war. From what you have said, I easily see that you have discovered the prince's defect. He has no resolution. He has the courage of a lion, but still he has no resolution. The first, to use the words of the Abbe de Retz, is an ordinary and even a vulgar quality, The second is rare even in great men, but yet there are two situations in which it is eminently necessary the ministry of a great country and the chief of a conspiracy. Richelieu has it in the most eminent degree, and the man who would oppose him with success must not therein be deficient. While he spoke the door of the chamber opening, Achilles made his appearance, and was running up to me when he perceived Monsieur de Varicaville and suddenly stopped. "'What were you going to say, Achilles?' demanded I. "'You may speak freely. This is a friend.' "'But what I have to say is a state secret, "'which I shall communicate to none but your lordship,' "'replied the little player, with a look of vast importance. "'Deep in the bottom of my profound heart will I hide it, "'till opportunity shall unlock the door "'and draw it forth from its dungeon.' Varicaville looked somewhat surprised, but I, who better understood my attendant's vein, merely replied, You had better draw it forth immediately yourself, my good Achilles, for fear I should break the dungeon door, as you call it, and your head, both in one. Oh, if your lordship insists, replied the little player, not displeased at the bottom of his heart to be delivered of his secret at once, I have nothing for it but to obey. Know then, illustrious scion of a noble house, that as I was returning from that famous field wherein you this morning covered yourself with victory, one of the domestic servants of the great and puissant prince, Frédéric Maurice, Duke of Bouillon, and Sovereign of Sedan, pulled me by the tags of my doublet, and insinuated in a low and solemn voice that his master wanted to speak with me, to which I replied that duty is the call which generous souls obey, and therefore that I must see whether you stood in need of anything before I could follow him. Finding, however, that you were closeted with M. Comte. I proceeded to the lodging of the high and puissant prince, who asked me if I were much in your private secrets. To this I answered that I did not believe there was a thought on earth which you concealed from me. You were either a great fool or a great knave to say so, replied I, and I do not very well know which. A knave, a knave, please your worship, replied Achilles with a low bow. A fool has something degrading in it, "'I would rather at any time be supposed to exercise the profession of Hermes "'than that of Escalapius.' "'But listen! He next asked me how long I had been in your worship's service, "'of which I replied, all my life, "'that we had been brought up together from the cradle. "'My mother, I assured him, was your worship's wet nurse, "'so that we were foster-brothers.' "'A pretty apocrypha, truly,' replied I. "'But go on.' "'His Highness then asked me,' proceeded Achilles, whether your lordship leaned really to peace or war, to which I replied that, as yet I believed, you were quite undecided, although your natural disposition led you to war, for which you had so strong a turn that you must needs go fighting in Catalonia when you had no occasion in life. At this I thought he looked pleased, but I was afraid of going any farther for fear of committing your excellence. So then His Majesty proceeded to say that I must try to determine... You to go to war and that you must try and determine monsieur le comte and on the back of this he gave me at least one hundred excellent reasons why men should cut one another's throats all of which i have forgot but doubtless your eminence can imagine them and then gave me a purse not at all as a bribe he said but merely for the trouble he had given me and made me promise at the same time not to reveal one word of what had passed to any one which i vowed upon my honour and my reputation and came away to tell your grace as fast as possible and your honour and your reputation mon said varicaville what has become of them oh your worship replied achilles i stretched them so often in my youth that they cracked long ago and then instead of patching them up as many people do which is but a sorry contrivance and not at all safe i threw them away altogether "'and have done ever since quite as well without. "'After having sent Achilles away, I consulted with Varicaville "'in regard to the proper course of proceeding under such circumstances. "'All you can do,' replied he, "'is to take no notice and remain firm, "'if I understand you rightly that you are determined to join with those "'who would dissuade the Count from proceeding to so dangerous an experiment as war.' i am certainly so far determined replied i that i will continue to oppose such a proceeding till i see the count once resolved upon it but after that i will so far from endeavouring to shake his resolution do all in my power to keep him steady in it and to promote the success of the enterprise for i am convinced that after that hesitation and conflicting opinions in the party of the prince might bring about his ruin but could do no good perhaps you are right replied varicaville and that is all that i could hope or require when i see you alone with the count i shall now feel at ease convinced that as long as he continues undecided you will continue to oppose any act of hostility to the government and when he is decided and the die cast we must both do our best to make the issue successful thus ended my conference with varicaville and nothing farther occurred during the day affecting myself personally i heard of the arrival of several fresh parties both from the interior of france and from the adjacent countries which were almost peopled with french exiles and achilles also brought me news that the baron de beauvau had returned from the low countries accompanied by a spanish nobleman as plenipotentiary from the archduke leopold and the cardinal infant of spain but nothing of any consequence happened till the evening, in which I was at all called to take part. I strolled, however, through the town of Sedan, and from the labours which were hurrying forward at various points of the fortifications, I was led to conclude that the Duke of Bouillon himself anticipated but a short interval of peace. At length, as I approached an unfinished hornwork on the banks of the Meuse, a sentinel dropped his partisan to my breast, bidding me stand back, and my walk being interrupted in that direction i returned to the citadel and proceeded to my own chamber chapter thirty nine